you guys ready to hear the word? I'm not convinced. I'm going to sit down here until I'm convinced. How many of you guys ready for the word? All right. Cool, cool. Um, well, I believe God has given me uh, a topic to share with you guys. What I want to talk about is stages to healthy relationships. Um, for me, I'm 36 years old. I know I do not look like it. Um, you guys are supposed to say amen on that one. All right. Uh, I actually didn't start doing relationships the right way until about 24 years old. Um, so a lot of what I'm going to share with you um, is from trial and error and also from like me taking relationships a little bit more serious as I took God serious. Um, and, and, and for me, I think the wisdom of preachers speaking is that our experience can be your wisdom. Meaning you don't have to go through some of the things that we went through. You can benefit from what we're going to talk about. And I believe relationships is one of the most important things to God because it's in relationships, it's how he advances his kingdom. It's in relationships we are either hurt or healed. It's in relationships we either experience pain or love. It's in relationships we either experience sadness or joy. And it's also in relationships we're either being upgraded in life or downgraded in life. Amen? There is no such thing of neutral relationships. There's not just a relationship that just keeps you uh, neutral. Relationships are either moving you forward or taking you backwards, slowly at best. So I think it's very important to know how to navigate the relationships, uh, properly place them in certain categories, so that way you don't place someone who should just be an acquaintance as an intimate friendship. Uh, I believe that we have to qualify people in our lives before we place them in certain places of our lives. Amen? Because if we don't qualify them, then what happens is we invite them into areas of our hearts and in our lives that they weren't ready to handle, and then we perpetuate being hurt. Amen? And I believe that we can find out how to do relationships the right way when we look into the Word of God. So today, or tonight, I'm going to be talking about the five levels of friendships. I'm going to be talking about the five levels of communication. I also want to talk about what is a safe and unsafe relationship. Because I think in order for us to identify who should be in our life and what area or access or influence they should have, we also have to be able to discern who's safe and who's not safe. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I think the best place to open it up is Genesis 2.18. Um, and, and also, I just want to throw out there that I've learned that when it comes to relationships, it's not, you can't just manage them emotionally either. We have to manage relationships intelligently. Because not everyone who makes me feel emotionally good is good for me. And not everyone who makes me feel emotionally bad is bad for me. Sometimes the wounds of a friend are better than the kisses from an enemy. So a wound from a friend may make me emotionally feel bad, but actually they're helping me for my good. Oh, Jesus. Y'all got to speak to me if you want me to preach. <laughs> Right? Wounds from a friend, meaning somebody may say the truth or say something that you need to hear that didn't emotionally feel good, but was good for you. Yeah. But the, the, the Word of God also talks about flattery, where someone can say what you want to hear, make you feel good, but they are charming their way into your heart and trying to access intimate areas of your heart that their commitment doesn't match that level of intimacy. You know the difference between a charmer and a con artist? A con artist just wants your money. A charmer wants your heart. This is why we have to be careful. The Bible says with all diligence, not with little diligence, with all diligence, 
guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. Meaning when I allow certain things to have access into my heart and if it produces bitterness or sadness or depression, that is what's going to come out of my heart and that's what I'm going to see in life. But if I want to see things change, if I want to see different outcomes, if I want different uh, uh, end results, then I have to guard my heart, set boundaries, not walls, boundaries to block hate, pain, or different unsafe relationships out from my life, but also boundaries to keep the good ones in, then what happens is I allow my heart to receive upgrades. And I, I, as I was sitting down in worship, I was typing something, and God just dropped this in my spirit. Um, typically, I don't use my notes, but while I was in worship, there was a few nuggets that God dropped in my spirit, and I really want to share this with you. People who isolate themselves to protect themselves end up with the consequences of never discovering themselves. People who isolate themselves to protect themselves end up facing the consequence of never discovering themselves. That's good, right? Because that leads right into my message. Can I come down here? Is that cool? Is that cool? I'm not going to bite y'all. Oh. In Genesis 2.18, it says, And the Lord God says, It is not good that man or humanity should be alone. And then he said that I will make a helper suitable for him. In other words, God is saying that in order for you to uh, experience my fullness, it will never be in isolation. The fullness of God will never be in you being by yourself. That's why a lot of people can hide being responsible, being independent, as really just being self-sufficient because they're scared to trust somebody who they can be interdependent with. So they want to disguise it as independence, but really what it is, you don't want to trust nobody. Now, I'm all for independence. I think you need that. But I don't teach my kids. I don't teach me and my wife. We don't build a life in our marriage or in our relationships where we don't need anyone. We build it to where we need each other. And you can build a healthy, or not healthy, you can build a successful life on your own, but also if you build a life on your own, you'll only have yourself to enjoy it with. I've had the privilege of marrying athletes and, and people of influence, and one of the things that I've seen, a common denominator, that they may have success, they, have, they may have money, but oftentimes when they don't take the risk of going through the proper stages of relationships, they have nobody to enjoy it with. So you can be all successful and independent with your dignified self, but you might be experiencing life by yourself. That's why God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 28, this is very important because the blessing of God is not on I, it's on we. He says, it says right here, then God says, let us, everyone say us. What is God saying? Right here, when he says us, God is establishing himself in the context of relationship. What he's saying is that even himself is identifying himself within relationships to the Trinity. So when God created relationships, he did it in the context of relationship. God didn't create like, relationships on its own. He did it with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when he's saying let us, he's saying that, hey, let's do this together and let's make man in our image. So we see the perfect relationship is within the Trinity. So in order for us to walk in the blessing of God, God showed us and mirrored what he wanted for us to experience his fullness by him modeling that by creating in the context of relationships. Some of our businesses, some of our entrepreneurial endeavors can only go as far 
as our willingness or unwillingness to partner with other people. See, I, I wrote this down as well because this is what God was trying. How many entrepreneurs do we have in the house? Raise your hand, lift up. No entrepreneurs? There's some, there's some entrepreneurs. How many aspiring entrepreneurs? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, well, I'm speaking to Dave. I'm speaking to Dave, As a business, if you don't partner, you'll be a master of a little thing versus a partner to a big thing. So when you don't understand relationships as it relates to everyday relationships or relationships as it relates to partnerships in businesses, you will always be limited because God said in Ephesians, every joint supply of another. So your next level is not inside of you. Your next level is inside of someone else who will release that to you. Oh, Jesus. Which side should I go on? Who wants it more? Are y'all up? Let me see my uh, cobra. Y'all want some of this? You can sit some of it. So my gifts and who God created me to be is not for just me. It's for someone else. And when I yield to the revelation that I was created for relationships, I get what God has for me, but he placed in someone else. And as I yield and take the risk and go through the stages of relationship, I get the benefit of that relationship which God placed in this world for me. But if you don't know how to do relationships, you'll be praying to God, asking for things that he's already given you, but it's in the context of community, partnership, and relationships. How many of us is missing out on our next level because we don't want to take risks in meeting new people or hanging out with people that are not like us, are different from us? I, I can tell you this, some of my greatest friendships and greatest breakthroughs and opportunities to speak or do really cool things didn't come from people who came from my culture. I, I grew up in a predominantly black culture. But a lot of what God has been doing in my life didn't come from the black culture. It came from me understanding relationships and the importance of cross-pollinating and not being a worm that eats off one leaf, but being someone that can cross-pollinate because in the body is the fullness of expression. Not in one tribe, not in one ethnic group, not in one generation, but in the body, which is all nations. So if I to embrace all nations, all people, then guess what? I have to be humble and I have to suspend judgment and get to know people relationally. Yeah. I feel like preaching today, baby. <laughs> so he says, then God says, Oh, I just spit on my iPad. Let me rub that in. My, uh, my screen was a little dirty anyways. <laughs> then God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. This is the part that I want us to focus on. Then God did what? Bless them. What does that word bless mean? It means empowered to prosper in his kingdom. So if you want to prosper outside of his kingdom, then you can live an isolated life, but you'll live a lonely life. You can have a successful life, but it'll be a successful life, but lonely. But if you want to prosper in the context of, of the kingdom, if you want to experience the promises of God that are yes and amen, it will never happen outside of relationships. So the trust issue that we have, at some point we're going to have to face those because if we're not willing to face the trust issues, then we'll never be able to have the, the, the life that God wants us to have. This is why Satan wants you to stay offended because if you're easily offended, you're easily 
you're easily taken off course to what God has for you. Because in order to step into the course, the plan and purpose of God is it comes in the form of relationships. See, for me, without relationships, I would have still been trying to be a club promoter and a real estate agent. But God introduced pastors and leaders who I was able to see my next level through them by me partnering myself with people outside of what I was used to. He activated something in me and gave me a new vision and a new dream. But the reason why people stay living in the past, stay living in the same cycles of defeats and relationships, because they have not entertained or opened themselves up for new relationships to get a new dream, a new activation. So you have what you are in relationship with. Birds of a feather flock together. When I'm at church, I can tell where all the gossipers are because all the gossipers hang out with each other. I can tell all the people who are hungry for the Lord because all the hungry people for the Lord hang out together. You attract on the level of your wholeness or your brokenness. So if you keep attracting brokenness, then you need to know, Jesus, you need to be intentional about finding people who have wholeness. It's not going to automatically always fall into your lap. Wholeness, here it is. God says he resists the proud. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, which means... It, 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 God may challenge you to see someone who's whole, but won't put it on them to pursue you because take the spirit of pride off of you for you to humbly say, I need you and I need what's on your life. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Say, oh, Jesus with me. So he blessed them. Your best life, your blessed life, your relationships and, and what God has for you will come in the context of relationships. This is why community is one of the most awesome things to be a part of in the kingdom of God. Because God puts all kind of gifts in the community. And when you begin to be vulnerable, and when you begin to be transparent, and when you begin to be open in community, yes, yeah, some may judge you, yes, yeah, some may hurt you, but guess what? Some may love you also, and some may be for you. And we do have to be like the woman with the issue of blood. She was willing to be stoned by people for the possibility of being healed by Jesus. Will you be willing to be stoned by offering vulnerability, but also will you be willing to be stoned for the possibility of connecting with someone who will love you unconditionally? Because the greatest healing that I've had in my life is to be loved unconditionally and I don't have to be something that I wasn't. It's that level of healing that heals us. And here it is, if you don't know how to do friendships, you don't know how to do relationships, guess what you'll do? You'll try to expedite to romance and when you were supposed to get in friendships. And then you'll put unhealthy pressure on romantic relationships, expecting them to be everything because you have bought into this fairy tale about relationships. But I'm married and I don't place all the weight of, on my wife Stacy to be everything. I have friends like Riley, I have friends like Dave, I have friends that I can place other things on so that me and my wife can have a healthy balance and we both can handle the weight because we have other relationships that we established before we got together. Good. Some people ain't got no friendships and they're straight to romance. And mad because that person can't make them happy. 
Mad because that person can't meet all their needs. Mad because that person can't do certain things. They weren't intended to do everything. God created this system to where you need to build friendships. You need to de de develop community. You need to have mentors and spiritual fathers and pastors in your life before you even uh, encounter romance. Y'all didn't like that one, huh? Like, dang. You like it? That's good. And I like that nightmares, baby. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> so, we can't be fruitful if you're taking notes. Anybody taking notes? Oh, I just, you know, I'm old school. Taking notes is so important. Because as you're taking notes, you're in all of Here it is. This is just an insight. As you're taking notes, you're allowing God to speak through the notes to speak something specifically to you. So while you're writing down what the writer or what the speaker said, God will also drop something in your heart or in your spirit, something just for you that the writer didn't say from what you wrote down. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. There's so many times where if writing is speaking or another leader is speaking and I'm writing it down, but it was in the act of writing it down, the diligence of writing it down, when they said something, I wrote it down, but as I was writing down, other thoughts start coming into my spirit. Other thoughts that are as God's promises towards me that, that, that God was like, because you're stewarding the logos of what's being said, I'll give you revelation of what was not said. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, we have the life that we're supposed to have when it comes to relationships. We see that God blessed relationships. Now, I also want to talk about when did relationships get complicated. Because you hear the good things about relationships, and, and you know, for me, I had to fight to have great relationships. I had to fight to keep relationships. I had to set boundaries for those who change. There's seasons where people were meeting a, a good majority of my needs, but then things shifted to where they're not meeting those needs, to where I have to like shift them in how I relate to them. Relationships can get complicated. God never created relationships to get complicated. However, they got complicated. So when did it get complicated is the question. Go with me to Genesis chapter 3, uh, 1 through 6. I'm actually going to paraphrase this because I don't want to spend too much time. This is a long scripture. But in Genesis chapter 3, we see that Satan tempts. Adam and Eve to eat from something that God never wanted them to eat from. And what happens is they were in a perfectly relationship. They didn't know what like jealousy was. They didn't know what envy was. They didn't know what self-sufficiency was. All they knew was what good, good, godly relationship was because that's what God created them to be in. So relationships got complicated when they stopped listening to what God wanted them to do, hearken to the voice of Satan, and therefore, sin came in. Sin came in. This is why you can be in a perfectly godly relationship in which God called you to be in, but the moment you let sin come in, you'll start seeing things about them that are not as godly and not as good, and you can disrupt and mess up the plan and purpose of that relationship because you allowed sin to get in that relationship. Me and my wife, we had an awesome relationship before we were married. We would go on dates. Uh, I, I, I kept a high standard of like, hey, I'm not going to go to your house past 10 o'clock. Matter of fact, it's, it's 9, it's late. Let, let's just be at Starbucks. And we would go to Starbucks. We would build on a social and emotional level. But how many knows? I started getting comfortable. 
She started getting comfortable with what she was wearing. She, we started flirting a little bit more. And I'm all for flirting. And I'm all for that. And I started to let my guard down to where with, with the boundaries that we had originally set up, I start telling myself, it don't take all of that. We good. <laughs> Especially when you know you're about to marry the person that you're dating, you tell yourself, even when I slip up, it's okay because I'm going to marry them anyways. I mean, how many of you ever said that? Be honest. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, in me having that frame of mindset and not protecting, keeping God first and allowing sin to get in, me and my current wife now, and my only wife, I'm declaring that's going to be my only wife my current and only, we actually started messing up our relationship because we started to kiss, we started to stay the night at each other's house, we started to, to allow more intimacy in our relationship than commitment was defined. We started allowing more intimacy in our relationship than the commitment that was established. We hadn't established full commitment of marriage or even engagement to the degree of the level of intimacy was grabbing. See, you can't grab engagement and marriage intimacy with boyfriend and girlfriend commitment. Oh, Jesus. You can't grab friendship, or excuse me, you can't grab boyfriend and girlfriend intimacy when you only been committed as a friend. Commitment, or here it is, intimacy should never precede commitment. There should always be commitment established first, then intimacy. We need to be committed. This is, this is, Right, ladies, if you don't know where you where you stand with the guy, then don't stand nowhere with him. Wait till you know where you stand. I'd be so tired of hearing girls like, you know, I, I just I just don't know where we stand. And then they're like, but we're about to go on a trip to Hawaii together. I'm like, you about to let him you about to let him have marriage intimacy privileges, and he ain't even considered you a girlfriend yet. In fact, in my opinion, if a guy is willing to travel with you to Hawaii and have not even established what he is with you, he's just seeing you as an expensive booty call. I say, yeah. <laughs> Be mad at Riley for bringing me here. <laughs> and guys don't, here it is. You think as he spent money, oh Jesus, you think as he spent money on you, he loves you. But what if he has money? It, it, it's, not, it's not about love. See, love is sacrifice. If I'm a millionaire and the trip to Hawaii is $2,000, that's not sacrifice. That's just me making you feel like I sacrificed because I want to fulfill what my lust is. I see dudes do it all the time about money and girls who don't got money. And they're like, he got me this Louis Vuitton purse. And I'm like, you don't even know if it's real. <laughs> He let me stay at his house. Yeah, you're just a, uh, uh, you're, you're, it's like a hotel. You're just kicking his house company because he has to go away and travel. So he needs somebody to watch his house. You have to be very careful, even with fellas. You have to be careful with spending money like she's your wife when she hasn't even established that I want to be your girlfriend or your, your, your fiance. Because what you compromise to keep, you, what, you, what you compromise to get, you'll eventually lose. When you compromise your soul, your virtue, for the sake of being with someone, guess what? You'll always lose that because you can't keep anything if God is not kept first. You have to 
keep God first, and together God will show you how to keep it. To try to do relationships outside of God's plan and purpose is really setting yourself up for a fun, destructive relationship. It can be fun, yeah, you will have some fun together, but that fun, here it is, those moments of fun, is it worth the years of pain that comes after that? I've had moments of like, man, it was fun, called my partners up, and we did this, she the one. <laughs> Only to realize that she really didn't lean into commitment or, or, or look at relationships, and she did that with a lot of other people. And what you can have fun in in moments, it can actually take you years to overcome. I've had fun in a week, and it took me maybe a year to get over that fun. Especially when you're a child of God. You're not wired to bond and break. Bond and break with a bunch of relationships. You are supposed to bond and build with one person. Not bond and break with a bunch of people. Oh, I got a heavy on that one. Y'all woke up in here? Alright. So we were never intended to bond and break. We were intended to bond and build. Bond and build. Tell you that to bond and build. Me and my wife, we bond and build. We bond sexually and build our life. We bond and build. See, coming together with a person on the most deepest intimate uh, connection, which is physical connection, it's to help solidify the oneness that God declared that you are in his word. Uh, when, when I put together, let no man put asunder. The two shall become one. This is why he says don't sleep with anyone outside of marriage because you become one with someone that you weren't supposed to become one with. And now you're taking the bond that you had and broke in that relationship and you're taking fragments of what they did well and you're trying to bond and build with someone else but you haven't really broke the soul ties of that relationship, but you're trying to build in this relationship. And they think you're schizophrenic because they, sometimes you're happy, sometimes you're mad. And they, and, you don't, and, and they don't know that at times they're with you, but they're still thinking about who they bonded and broke it up with. And they're only trying to bond and build with you to patch a wound that only Jesus can patch up. Who am I speaking to? This is all off my notes. I'm speaking to somebody. <laughs> Out of time. <laughs> so, number one point to have healthy relationships, you gotta keep God first. You gotta keep God first. I don't care how much He tells you He loves you. I don't care how much He says She wants you. I don't care how much He promises you. I don't care how much She seems like She's into you. You do not break your relationship and your connection with God for any relationship. Because the moment you allow sin to get in the relationship, even if God put it together, you broke it apart. Me and my wife, we separated for like 30 days, we seem like 30 years, because we let sin get into the relationship. She started getting jealous. I started getting possessive because we were doing intimate things on a marriage level, but yet we were only on a boyfriend and girlfriend level. So the proper emotions of, of see, it's okay to have the emotion of not wanting to share my wife when she's my wife, but when somebody is your girlfriend or your boyfriend, you can't really be on that level of like, not trying to share them until you put a ring on their finger. With someone with character, they won't offer themselves to other people, but you can't put demands or you can't feel somewhat entitled to someone who's just a girlfriend or boyfriend when there's no commitment of marriage. 
But when sin gets in, you start feeling entitled. You start feeling like, hey, I, I, I should be having access to some of this stuff. You start feeling like it's okay to see them naked when you're in the boyfriend and girlfriend stage. You start thinking it's okay to do sexual things with them because you're in the boyfriend and girlfriend stage. And that will be the beginning of the destructive pattern of that relationship. So me and Stacy, we didn't have sex till we got married. I tried like three times. <laughs> if y'all saw my wife, you'd be like, dang, I understand. <laughs> I tried, and I'm so glad she denied. <laughs> I tried, she denied. And I'll, uh, me and my wife, we talk about this, and we'll talk about it at our conference. I don't know if I would have married her if she allowed me to have sex with her. I really don't know that. Because when you create that level of unhealthy ties before marriage, it, it, you really allow Satan to come in. So we started getting too physically intimate. She wanted me at her house all the time. I wanted her at my house all the time. And we were so focused on one another because sin caused us to feel, sin brings insecurities in too. Sin makes you feel like you have to be with each other all the time to where that person can't even develop their still single life. Even though you're in a relationship, not marriage, you're still a single. You're a single until you get married. Separate, unique, whole. You don't stop being separate, unique, whole. See, even though I'm married, I'm still an individual, and me and Stacy bring our individuality into the relationship. That's why we can have the beauty of a healthy relationship, because we have separateness to define who she is, who I am, but when sin comes in, there's no separateness, it's enmeshment. And when enmeshment comes in, you start giving up your goals for their goals, and they start giving up their goals, and, and it just gets all complicated. And how many of us been in those complicated relationships? They don't feel good. Because in a complicated relationship, you have the tension of like, could they have been the one or did I mess it up? So I was in that tension with Stacy. Is she the one? I knew she was the one, but sin started to get in to the degree I had to separate for 30 days. Now, here it is. I See, I'm, fellas, let me just help you out. If you keep sin out of your life or out of the relationship, I'm not saying be blameless, but if you set proper boundaries, the fear of separating for 30 days from my now wife, but at the time was my girlfriend, the fear was, is somebody else going to scoop? <laughs> that's the, I don't know about y'all, that's the worst fear when you know you got a good one. Like, dang, I messed this up. And you don't want that girl who's supposed to be your wife to now no longer respect you on the level that she used to respect you. See, I started losing admiration from Stacy. I started losing respect from her. And when, when you stop having admiration for the man that possibly God put in your life or the woman from, that God possibly put in your life, you start communicating rudely and disrespectfully. And we started going there with each other. So we have to separate and reestablish boundaries to protect our relationship and keep saying out. And the best thing that I could have did for our relationship was invite other relationships to access personal things about our relationships. Friends don't let friends date or be engaged or even be married alone. You need to invite somebody to come alongside you to ask you questions. Y'all be kissing, y'all be spending the night at each other's house, What's up with that? To check you. You need to have the relationships that you get permission to check you when you are going too far. If you have isolated yourself 
to the degree where no one can speak into your relationships, chances are you're afraid that you might have the wrong relationship. But when you know God is in it, you're not afraid to bring people in it. So sin brought in envy, self-sufficiency, entitlement, and in other words, sin caused us to all be born in dysfunctional families. How many of you guys have a dysfunctional family? We all got dysfunctional families. It's okay. See, that's your problem right there. You need to admit that. <laughs> if you think there's no dysfunction, then you, 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 here it is. If you think there's no dysfunction in your family or in your life, then that's, that's pride. Are you not even willing to look at things that you need to address about your life? The moment I recognized that my parents were dysfunctional, I had dysfunction in my relationship, then I was able to look to God and say, God, what, what part of your truth do I need to be to help iron out these dysfunctions in my relationships? And we see when sin came in, a relationship that was supposed to bring companionship actually brought jealousy. We see the first dysfunctional relationship with Cain and Abel. Two brothers, I had, how many of you guys got siblings in here? Raise your hand. My brothers are actually my best friends. See, in ministry, I, I, it's, it's very rare to have friends like these guys here who I can be very vulnerable with. But no matter if I have friends to be vulnerable with, Preaching my earpiece off. God gave me brothers who I could be vulnerable with. But when sin came in, what was supposed to be a brotherhood came into competitive jealousy. Abel offered the better sacrifice because he had a relationship with God. Cain offered a sacrifice because he had a routine with God, not a relationship with God. See, when you have a routine with God, you'll offer things that God never asked you to offer up. It didn't matter because someone else offered something that God did require to offer up, and they got a better response than what you got. Oh, Jesus. I pray against sibling rivalry. <laughs> Reach for his violinist brother right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> I was the bigger brother. So even though I had an older brother who's two years older than me, I was still the bigger brother. I was punking my older brother and my little brother. <laughs> but then sometimes they try to jump me. Oh, so the second point um, to having healthy relationships, as I mentioned, you have to establish boundaries. John 14, 21 says, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Excuse me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show and reveal myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen. So in other words, God is saying, if you let what's important to me be important to you, I'll give you access to me. If you let my values that are important to me, important to you, you can have access to me. If you respect the fact that I'm not trying to have sex before marriage, if you respect the fact that I don't like to be cussed at, if you respect the fact that I don't like to be disrespected, if you respect the fact that I like to communicate healthy, then I can bring you from acquaintance to casual to close to an intimate relationship. See, when they respect your values, then you can progress them into healthy stages of relationships. But the, the issue is, 
out of being alone and out of needing relationships, we progress people who are unhealthy in places of our lives that they shouldn't have places in our lives and are mad because they keep hurting us. They keep hurting you because you allow them to hurt you. Why do you keep giving your heart to the person who hurts you? When you reveal yourself, your hurts to someone and they keep hurting you, you don't have to discard the relationship, you just have to reprioritize the relationship. Amen? Amen. I think I'm speaking to somebody that's y'all a little quiet right now. All right. So, real quick, I want to talk about the five levels of relationships. Can we put it on the screen, please? That's such a cute couple. They go here? Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. We all be having pictures and nobody ever really know that. It's all good. <laughs> so, when it comes, you heard me say, when it comes to the five levels of relationships, there are acquaintances. And what is an acquaintance? Let me just help define that. Acquaintance is somebody you just have small talk with. You, you, you gather information. There's little to no risk. You see them at church. Hey, I like that shirt you got. Hey, are you coming to BYA? Okay, see you there. Acquaintance. Casual is someone that you have some level of interest. Now, if when I said interest, you automatically went to romance, you probably a little bit unhealthy when it comes to romance. <laughs> Not everyone we are interested in or attracted to, we should automatically date. Amen. There were a lot of women in my church before I met Stacy that I was attracted to and interested in, but I knew within me I saw them not as a potential spouse, so I never engaged them in dating. What I did was honor what they do well and said to myself, that value that you carry, although I like that value, I still see you as a potential spouse, I would love to see that in someone who I will marry. I feel like that should deserve, that's deserving amen right there. Could it be that God will put people in your community that have a value, that, that have something that you're attracted to or interested in, but you know deep down you don't really want to be with them, that was somebody who God can show you through friendship, here's healthy, here's a healthy person, here's a healthy value, and, and I'm, I'm allowing you to be exposed to it so you can believe and pray for it. How can you believe for things that you haven't even been exposed to? How can I believe for a good woman if I've never been exposed to a good woman? How can you believe for a good man if you've never been exposed to a good man? Our highest form of love, uh, exempt from encountering God, is a level of abuse sometimes. If our versions of love at its highest was being in an abusive relationship, we will allow people to hurt us even though they said they love us because we've never encountered something better than that. So God has to bring relationships different from that experience so that you can see that you can have a different experience. Amen? So casual is you desire to know more about each other. You're gathering basic information. You're watching behavior. You're like, okay, they come to church. They worship God. Man, they respect their mom. They're opening the door for people. They're shivering. You know, you move from an acquaintance to small talk to now you're interested. Again, I'm not talking about, none of this is romance. This is all friendships. You need friendships before you have romance. All right, tell you that you need friendships before romance. Because you need to make sure, here it is. The reason why it's important to have friendships before romance, God needs to show you a variety of quality people. 
to know what you're looking for. But when you don't like have friendships and you like only want romance, you might romanticize someone who should just stay a friend. I've romanticized before Christ people who shouldn't just stay friends. They were just greatest friends. But because I didn't have healthy friendships, the first friend that I had, because I didn't develop friendships at a young age, I didn't develop a non-romantic love. I wasn't bonded to, to, to regular love. I, I, I always wanted to go straight to the romantic love. Any friend that I was attracted to, I romanticized them. Only to recognize that, oops, I messed up. They should have stayed friends. <laughs> and then you lose a good friend. Or sometimes you can reconcile the friendship, but it's never like how it could have been or used to be. You know, when you cross that line with someone you shouldn't have crossed that line with, and although y'all both said, it's cool, I forgive you, we're good, and it's, it's in the blood, I don't even remember it no more, but it's still that, they still remember it. <laughs> it's, just, it's just something awkward. <laughs> and then there's close. Close, in order, for, in order for us to go to acquaintance to casual, we need interest. In order for us to go from casual to close, we need trust. It's where we share external problems. It's where we develop trust. It's where we start expressing feelings. We're sharing feelings, and then we're seeing like, how did they handle my emotion? Who did they handle that well? I can trust them a little bit. Amen? And then the next one is intimate friendship. In order for us to go to acquaintance to casual, we need interest. In order for us to go from casual to close, we need trust. In order for us to go from close to intimate friendship, we need safety. Safety, this is where all the mask comes off. This is where you don't need to see the perfected versions of me all the time. This is where my breath can stick around you and you still want to be around me. This is where I don't have to always be having to fly his gear on. This is where I can have low moments and you still treat me as if I'm in my high moment. This is where I can be my most authentic, transparent version of me and you still accept me and you love that version of me. This is the place that we're called to be. But there's too many times people should only stay at an acquaintance level or a casual and we expedite them to an intimate or a deeply intimate relationship and then we get hurt because we didn't go through the proper stages of relationships. You don't go from acquaintance to intimate in one week. When people tell me like, I met him last week and then we dated for a couple of weeks and like we're just, we're all in, he's the one. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> Gosh, we're just, we never argue. When people tell me they never argue, I'm like, well, you're not doing relationships the right way. If you never argue, that means you're never being who you really are. There's no such thing of relationships in harmony all the time. Me and my wife argue a lot, but we love a lot too. Because God created her to be different, created me to be different, and if we were always in harmony, now here, here, I will say this, we will be in agreement, and the agreement is, even in our disagreement, we agree to love each other unconditionally. And that brings harmony. But if you've never argued, if you've never seen how they got mad or any of that, and you like saying the other one, chances are they're masking who they really are. Excuse me. This is why I always say, before you move somebody into this next category, you need to see how they act in several seasons. 
You know, sometimes, you, so let's just use summer and winter. You know, people want to be in cuffing seasons in the winter, but they want to be free in the summer. <laughs> you need to see how they act in all seasons. If they wanted to cuff you in the winter, but release you in the summer, then, then you move them too fast. <laughs> I feel like somebody's like, that hurts. <laughs> that happened to me. I'm sorry. But you let it happen. <laughs> so, I'm really not going to apologize for that one either. This is the truth. <laughs> so, intimate friendship, this is where all the mask comes off. We are created to connect on this level. When's the last time you had a friend that you said, I need you? Like, not just somebody you said that one time, you say, you, 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 uh, you reinforce the fact that I need you. I need my homie right here. This is my dude right here. We travel together. We pray together. He respects me as a pastor, but we also have a friendship. I need relationships like that. I need relationships like writing where I can ask for prayer when it comes to ministry, where I can be transparent. You need relationships. When you've never voiced that you need someone outside of a sexual or romantic interest, then chances are you're not being vulnerable with the right person. It's easy to say you need somebody when you want something from them that benefits you. But what if I just need someone for the sake of like, God, I, I can't be the best version of myself or come to what you want me to be without this person. There's things in the kingdom I can't do without these guys. There's things in the kingdom that I just can't do without my wife. But I'm not expecting anything in return. But on a, on a very manipulative level, we may tell somebody we need them because we want something right now. Because it's like 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> if somebody only wanted to talk at night, you need to tell them, let's have a conversation. Let's see if you're just interested in the morning or the afternoon. <laughs> and then the next one is deeply, deeply intimate. Deeply intimate. And I'm going to wrap up real soon. Um, this is where there is just crazy amount of vulnerability and transparency. Deeply intimate should only occur in marriage. It's where you share your innermost thoughts and feelings. It's where trusting and trusted, excuse me, it's where you can be trusted and you're trusting people to handle your heart with the utmost care. Now that level, these guys can be able to intimate, but the only level that I can be deeply intimate with someone is someone that I'm married with. Because there's things, there's secrets about myself that y'all may know, not know, but my wife will know because she can handle my innermost thoughts, fears, insecurities because God had ordained and called her to handle that level of my heart. But Stacy and I progressed. She started as an acquaintance. I saw her at church and I used to be like, and I caught interest. And I was like, man, she looked kind of good. Let me check her toes out before I even move her. <laughs> I was like, she can't, she can't even make it to the castle without her toes. <laughs> She's just gonna stay in the acquaintance. Now let me let me let me put a disclaimer out there. I have partners that are athletes, and he got ugly toes and she got ugly toes. It don't matter to them. But for me, I, I God knew what I wanted. I was like, God, if I'm gonna be like in the bed cuddling with cuddling with her for the rest of my life. I need to imagine them toes being nice. <laughs> I can't be having hammer time in the bed. <laughs> she can't 
what way. And that's okay. You don't need to tell everybody exactly how you're doing. They need to earn that level of trust. And then there's facts. That's where you go from acquaintance to casual. You start communicating facts. Like, how, how are you doing? Today was all right. I'm not going deep into it. It was, just, it was tough. And everybody's like, okay. <laughs> acquaintance. <laughs> or they might say, hey, I, can I speak into that? Like, okay, yeah. I have a casual friend. And then you go into opinions. Opinions is where you now start having closer relationships. How do you like my hair? I don't like it. <laughs> How do you like this outfit? Uh, I don't like it. Well, I do like it. Our girl, you look great. Our dude, man, you, man, you're a good-looking guy. See, I was always those dudes who, that guy who was secure in my masculinity, and my wife knows that I can say a guy is good-looking. I mean, he's handsome. The girls will be on. <laughs> and I'm not insecure. I, it doesn't mean anything other than I'm affirming what someone really is. It's when you start communicating on, a, on opinion levels. Now, four and five is very hard. If you want to go from casual to close, close to intimate, you have to get better at communicating feelings and needs. Now, the thing about feelings and needs, is, this is important. When it comes to relationships, we don't force people to change by not being vulnerable. We trust them to change by offering vulnerability. Should I say that one again? Yeah. When it comes to my intimate relationships, or my deeply intimate relationships, I don't force them to change by making demands or communicating opinions. You always doing this. You ain't never doing that. In fact, when you say always or never, those are absolute statements and they don't ever belong in a communication process and relationship. Because no one is always, always something or never, never this or whatever the case may be. So in order for me to see if someone qualifies to go from a casual to an intimate, I offer vulnerability to see what they do with it. Because if I offer the vulnerability of my feelings and my needs, and they may not get it right the first time, but they may acknowledge it to the degree that where they're trying to get it right. When someone is making your request or your vulnerability important to them, and they trust you and they're, 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 they're handling your heart with care, then you can take these moments and these experiences to qualify, I may have someone that I can move into more of an intimate relationship. Now, we heard the frame, action speaks louder than words, right? Or not the frame, we heard the terminology, the phrase, that's what I meant to say. But I always say patterns speak louder than actions. So it's not what someone acts to do one, two, or three times. It's when I offer vulnerability, it's when I communicate my needs, and they have a pattern of responding healthy and well. That's someone who I can progress with. So when it comes to healthy relationships, we, we definitely need to set boundaries, which means we learn the five levels of relationships. We need to understand the difference between safe and unsafe people. I'm not going to unpack that. Number four, we need to communicate our feelings and needs. Number five, we need to not isolate from people or new relationships. My current job that I'm working at as an associate pastor, being paid full time with a nice salary, this didn't come from me just maintaining and protecting old relationships. It came from me being open to new relationships outside of my cultural norms. See, my previous church that I served at for five or 11 years, I was a bivocational pastor, which means I didn't get paid to do it. 
I was a youth pastor for about four or five years, a young girl pastor for five years, and I volunteered my gift. Not that I didn't want to be a full-time, but God had blessed my wife and I financially the way we can offer it. But God knew that I had a desire to be full-time, to work for the church, to serve the church. And he introduced a new relationship to me. And it's in the new relationships God is able to pour new wine into you. You know how God says you can't pour new wine in old wineskin? The old wineskin is the fact that you don't think you need new relationships. So until you, can, until you can put it in your mind for me to upgrade my life and to experience a new season, a new thing, I have to be willing for new relationships. Which means you have to embrace relationships that may not come from the tribe you grew up in or the culture that you're used to. It may come outside of a culture or ethnic group or generational age that is not what you're normally used to. So embrace new relationships. I tell, I tell people, I'll meet with anyone once for coffee, and then after that, I can kind of assess where they're at. <laughs> well, at least in my busyness, I have to be good at discerning where to compartmentalize people. And the sixth thing that I want to close on, oh, that's, okay, I was like, man, when did they come up? <laughs> the sixth thing is become bonded in here. I want to say this with this point, that we need to experience trustworthy love before we can deal with an untrustworthy world. The basic human need is the us to bond with someone. The moment you were born into this world, you needed to bond with a person. This is why the first thing a mother does after she gives birth, I beat Stacy to it with my second child, had my shirt off and I put my son on my skin and skin to skin. I was like, I beat you! I was like, you know more bonded to me. And my son loves me, my baby boy. My daughter, she bonded, she had the skin to skin with her mom first, and she loves her mother as well. But the basic human need, the first thing humans need is to be bonded. It's to be bonded. When a mother gives birth to a child, or when that child lays on that mother's skin to skin, that whole process, she's releasing oxytocin. There's a bond that happens. And then we need that bond because it's in the parental bond and what those parents deposit in us, it's how we begin to shape our worldview of what people will be to us. Healthy parental bonds will see people as can be healthy and we can invite into our lives. If you've been hurt by your parents or hurt by those who are supposed to love you, you start setting walls up. Therefore, you never trust people. So when I say be bonded again, I'm going to say something to challenge you. Not all family is biological. Yeah. God can bring you a spiritual family who biologically you couldn't bond with people on this level because they didn't have Christ-like behavior and nature. But if you get in the church, God can be a father to the fatherless. He can love you in ways through leadership, through community, through people, to where your parents are different people who should have loved you the right way did so that you can experience non-romantic bonds before you try to form a romantic bond. So when we have healthy relationships, we're bonding first before we try to create a romantic bond with someone else. Stand to your feet for me.
I love John 17, 20-22. This is, this is Jesus to us, to the disciples and to us who were coming after the disciples. And I ask not only for these disciples, Jesus says, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together. Have a mind. As one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. Jesus is saying the importance of relationships. And he goes on to say, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. It's interesting that Jesus' closing words to the disciples and those after him was saying relationships are important. A relationship with the Father that you and I have, I pray that they will have that relationship with you and relationship with one another so the world can see that God is good. The church should be the place where relationships are happening at its most healthiest. Now understand, people from the world are coming in and getting saved. So to have a healthy church means that there will be messes. There will be infidelity. There will be breakups. There will be heartbreaks. Because there's people coming in who have not learned the Father's way of doing relationships. And we have to be healthy and embrace those who are not healthy to get them on the same page of being healthy. Amen? I just want to release a blessing over you. And then we'll have my man, hot boy, Riley, come up. Lift up your hands. Is this a sign of surrender where heaven, your help comes from? Father, I just thank you for DYA. I thank you for that, this leadership. I thank you for everyone in here who's allowed me to speak the word that I believe you placed in my heart. God, I pray that you would illuminate areas of their heart where they have set walls, where they have allowed offense, where they have allowed dis distrust, where they have allowed the enemy's voice to lead versus the father's voice. You said a stranger's voice we won't follow. I pray that you would reveal your voice and expose the enemy's voice. God, I believe that the person in the room with hope can be the most powerful person in the world. I pray where hope has been deferred because they've placed their expectation on humanity as opposed to putting it in divinity, where they have placed people in areas of their life that they weren't qualified to be in, would you restore their hope right now in the name of Jesus? I pray that they will begin to set their affections on you, that even in the hurts, even in the heartbreaks, even in the offense, you're still good. And you want to heal those areas. So I speak healing into the hearts right now. I declare beauty instead of ashes. I declare joy instead of mourning. To that young lady that's in here, where you, for the sake of looking for love, allowed yourself to be a little promiscuous. I want to tell you that God is saying right now, He forgives you. He loves you. Don't hide from Him. Come to Him. He doesn't want to shame you. He wants to cover you. And to that man that's in here, who's been more of a conqueror than a covering, I feel like the Lord is telling me to tell you, He has forgiveness for you. Sometimes we're always looking for forgiveness for the victim, but what about the person hurt the victim. God said he has forgiveness for you as well. I just declare the goodness of God over you right now. 
I declare whatever the hurt is, whatever the secret is, whatever the hidden thing that you don't want no one else to know, God wants to massage that and heal that and to bring you back in alignment with Him. And I just call reconciliation to your heart, to the Father's. Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to impart upon this community. That the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. That they will know the hope that's in their calling. That the goodness of God is not earned, it's received. And through their surrender, they will step into the hope of that calling. And I declare that right now in Jesus' name.